Hi, this is Chris Finch. I'm lead pastor of City Walk Church. I want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you don't already know, the best way to stay connected with City Walk Church is with our app. Just go to your device's app store and search City Walk Church to find it. Whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus or you're just investigating faith, our hope is that this message will help you take your next step in that journey. If you're in the area, we would love to have you come join us in person. For more information or to plan your visit, check us out at citywalkchurch.com or on social media at WeAreCityWalkCA. Morning, CityWalk. Or if you're watching online, good evening. Uh, glad that you guys are here. Last week I wasn't here. I, was, uh, I just decided to skip church. And No, actually, I was in Folsom... Uh, Helping a buddy out, he uh, he was he's on his sabbatical, and so he scheduled different people to preach while he was gone, and so I was there uh, with those guys uh, in Folsom. But I'm glad to be back. One thing I wanted to say real quick before we dive into a brand new series that I'm super excited about is next week, next Saturday. If you are new to City Walk, maybe you've been wanting to get connected, maybe you're uh, looking to grow in your faith. We do a thing once a month called Growth Track. And Growth Track takes place on a Saturday from 10 to 12. Uh, Usually we'll have some refreshments, some coffee, different stuff. Uh, And it's just a great time, like I said, to get connected, grow in your faith, learn how uh, you can maybe learn a little bit more about the church. And so if you haven't been through Growth Track, you can sign up in the app or you can sign up online. And so uh, just check that out. We we look forward to having you uh, coming up this next Saturday. Uh, This past week... Something that uh, in our family, uh, my mother-in-law, Sue, who a lot of you guys know, she's usually here, she got her knee replaced. And so if you've ever had that happen, you know that's not the easiest thing, and there's some recovery to that. But one of the, the things that I've seen over the last week and I've been reminded of is my, my daughter, Kate, who's seven years old, I've seen her very concerned for her grandma. And it's what it's done, it's reminded me, and it, it reminds me back to when I was a little kid. When you're a little kid, man, you want to make a difference. You're concerned about people. If you see somebody that's hurt, it doesn't make sense to you that you wouldn't help them or that you wouldn't come up with a solution for them. Kate, every night when we go to bed, uh, I tuck her in. And, and we, we have a little kind of ritual we go through. We read a verse and then we pray. And before I'm done praying, if I haven't prayed for Ava and Bella, she stops me in the middle of my prayer and says, Dad, don't forget Ava. Dad, don't forget Bella tonight. Ava's a little girl that uh, has gotten to an accident and has been physically really not doing real well. And, and so we've been praying for her brain and her body to heal. And then Bella's a little girl that we support who lives in a different country through compassion. And Kate, man, she always wants us to pray for those. And it just reminds me as a little kid, whether it's her grandma who is sick and she wants to make sure grandma's taken care of, or it's, hey, we got these people we're praying for. And we really believe if we pray that God's going to do something, make sure you don't forget dad to pray for them tonight. It reminds me of that young faith, that young belief, that young desire to make a difference. And sometimes when we get a little bit older, and maybe you've experienced this, circumstances can put that fire out a little bit. 
Maybe you've been in a place where you saw a ton of potential. You, you saw a cause that you were passionate about. And, and, and at the front end of it, man, you were excited about it. You wanted to see something happen. But maybe the, the organization or the people that were in charge just weren't organized. They weren't focused on the mission. And as much as you want just something happen, your fire kind of just went out a little bit because it just couldn't seem to make any traction. Or maybe you found yourself, we probably have all found ourselves in this place where there's something that we're deeply burdened about and it's something that's so big and, and overwhelming, we don't even know where to start. And, and we don't know where to start and so what we find ourselves doing is we kind of waste time and, and we're not really sure, we're, we're kind of stifled about even a first step to take and before you know it, it's on to the next thing. And, and maybe for some of us, you would say, man, I feel kind of the same way about my relationship with God and his plan for my life. And here's what I mean. If you're a follower of Jesus, there's probably people in your life that if you're honest, you have a burden for. You want to see them have hope in a relationship with Jesus. You want to see those people that, that you know, maybe you live in the same house as them, maybe they're somebody you work with and you're burdened for them. You want them to, to have a relationship with Jesus. You want them to have hope. And yet in your mind, you don't know where to start. You, how Do I talk to him? Do I invite him to church? It seems so overwhelming. And so you, you just don't even maybe take a step because like, what do I do? What if I don't know what to say? Where do, I, where do I go for answers? And during Jesus's ministry here on earth, he provided us with some great help for just that. And here's what I mean. Jesus did a really good job defining and clarifying what it is the mission of God is. And then Jesus did a really good job at giving us a pattern to follow of, hey, here's how you go about it. You have a burden for your brother. You have a burden for your uncle. You have a, a burden for your coworker. You want to see God do something in their life. Well, here's a pattern. Here's a process to follow. And here's a clear mission. Because honestly, and this is, this is kind of sad to say, but if any organization in the world has gotten foggy on their mission, sometimes it's the church. I mean, we can get going in so many different directions, and then we forget what the whole mission of God was about. And in Jesus' day, there were religious leaders that had agendas and religious leaders that were going in all different directions, and Jesus clarified the mission, and then he said, hey, let me give you an example, a process to follow to really be a part of the mission of God. And Luke, a guy that was a doctor, he wrote one of the four accounts of Jesus' life. He, he tells us about a time when, when Jesus was in the city of Jericho. And, and Jesus meets this guy by the name of Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus was a pretty important guy. In fact, if you grew up in church, he got his own song. And probably if you grew up in church, you're starting to sing that song in your head right now. But, but Zacchaeus got his own song. He was a guy that Jesus met in Jericho. And, and Zacchaeus had a profession that was one that wasn't super respected. Luke tells us that he was the chief tax collector. And to you and I, it's like, okay, tax collector, it's not super offensive to us. But back in this day, it would have been better if his title was chief axe murderer. People would have liked him better. 
because the chief tax collector was a person, usually a dishonest person, that would take money from families and give it to an oppressive government that, that, that they didn't love, they didn't like, but they were forced to give money to. And, and Zacchaeus, the chief tax collector, was the guy that did it to him. So he wasn't super popular. And when Jesus met Zacchaeus, he did something that was unthinkable. He, he did something that no religious leader would ever do or even consider. He went to his home, he had dinner with him, and he spent time with him. And to the people of this day, man, whether they were common people or religious leaders, I mean, all of these people that were watching this happen, they didn't understand like, Jesus, you realize who this, who this guy is. You, you realize that every one of us he's stolen from. There's a lot of people you could have dinner with. There's a lot of people you could kind of go hang out at his house for a barbecue that aren't this guy. Why would you do this? Jesus, why would you spend time with this guy? Don't you know who he is? Why would you show care for him? Why would you waste time giving truth to this guy? We just don't get it, Jesus. And instead of arguing with the religious leaders, instead of arguing with even the common people that didn't quite understand why Jesus would do this, here's what Jesus said in Luke chapter 19, verse 10. He said this, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. Jesus, why, why are you doing this? Why are you hanging out with Zacchaeus? Don't you realize he's a thief? Well, don't you realize what he's done to all of us? Why would you do this? Why would you waste time with this guy? For the Son of Man has come to seek or rescue and save the lost. See, when someone needs rescuing, it's because they're unable to save themselves. When the lifeguard's at the pool and the dude is in the deep end and he's starting to go under, he's not worried about what's going on around him. Like, I'm desperate, and the lifeguard's not looking around saying, hey, are you guys okay with me heading in to save him? You good with that? I know this guy's a bad dude, but you good with me jumping in for this guy? No, 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 no. Somebody that needs rescuing, man, you rescue him. Here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, I I get all that stuff. You're not telling me anything I haven't heard. I know this guy better than you know this guy. But, But Jesus, I'm God's son, and I left heaven to come to earth on a rescue mission. Don't fog this thing up. That's why I'm here. Because sin has broken the relationship between God and man, and those who don't know me need rescuing. Isaiah said it this way in Isaiah 59 verse 2. It says, but your iniquities are separating you from God and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not listen. See, as a result of sin, the world was broken. As a result of sin, the relationship between God and man was broken. As a result of sin, futures were hopeless Futures were not going to go well. As a result of sin, people deserve to be separated from God for all of eternity. And Jesus says, he, as they're arguing, and why are you doing this, Jesus? He says, man, I'm, I'm here on a rescue mission. I'm here to save. I'm here to bring hope. I'm here to bring a, be a healer. I'm here to be a savior. His death, his life, his resurrection 
would provide the way for people to have their sins forgiven and their relationship with God healed. And shortly after this happened with Zacchaeus, and then Jesus would, would go to the cross, he would give his life, he would go into a grave, he would raise from the dead three days later. Kind of in, the, in that mix, Jesus talked to his followers, and he said this, because he made really clear what his mission was. But as he was preparing to leave earth, he said, hey, I want you to join me. On the mission of God. And he said this in John chapter 20. He said, Jesus said to them, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. Jesus is talking to his followers. He says, Hey, I, I want you, when, when I'm off the scene, I want you to represent me. I want you to share the good news. I want you to share the message of my life, my death, my resurrection. You're my representative. Take that message to people. The baton's in your hand. Then in Matthew 28, verse 19 and 20, it says this it's another time when Jesus was talking to his followers right before he left to go back to heaven. He says this, he says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus says, you know the things I've taught you? I want you to share that message I want you to share that message that I've given you, and I want you to invite other people to be my followers. I want you to invite other people to join in the mission. If you're a follower of Jesus, and I know there's different people watching online, there's different people here that have different places in their faith, but if you're here and you are a follower of Jesus, you have been invited into the mission of God. Jesus invited his followers 2,000 years ago, and now it's been passed down. The baton has been passed down, and you have been invited into the mission of God. And I would go so far as to say this, and this is an important statement that for some of you, this is why you've been so frustrated in your life. Joining the mission of God is the path to purpose and fulfillment. Let me, let me read that again. Joining the mission of God is the path to purpose and fulfillment. I really believe that a person who's a follower of Jesus, if they decide they're going to straight arm the mission of God and, and not really be involved in it, I, I really believe they will never find purpose and they will never find fulfillment like God has for them unless they join in the mission of God. And you're like, man, what, what does that look like? I mean, that's a great idea. Go, Jesus. You're God. You kind of got that on us. But we're not God. And I haven't been hanging out with Jesus for three years like Peter and like some of these guys we read about. So, so what does it look like? What does it mean? How does this, this thing play out? I mean, is it, is it the guy holding the picket sign that, you know, you're going to hell sign? I mean, is that, is that what the joining the mission of God is? I see some of those cats out and they're holding up signs. And, and is that what this whole thing's about? Because I don't want any part of that. Or, or for me, when I was growing up, 
I, we would have, I grew up in a little Baptist church in, the, in central Florida, and there was this annual thing we did. And if you grew up in a church like mine, you probably did it, called a little missions conference. And that what would happen, like one weekend, they would bring like missionaries from around the world, and they would, they would tell their stories and all that. And so always, to me, the most interesting ones were the ones like from Africa, because they would, they would have displays out in the lobby with stuff from their country. And they always, the ones from Africa, always had a snakeskin on it. And it, it, it was kind of, you go up and like your little kid like feeling this stuff. This was a python and we found it wrapped around a missionary in the middle of the jungle. And, and they're telling the story. And so for me as a little kid, that's what I thought the mission of God was. I'm like, dude, if I say yes to this thing, I'm definitely getting eaten by a snake in the middle of a tribe in Africa. Like, that's going to be my lot in life. And, and for me, I was like, I'm not quite sure about this. And I, I really did. I was, if I say yes, I know God's going to tell me to go to a place where tribal people don't even wear clothes and snakes come and kill them in the middle of the night. And I, I just don't know if I'm into that. So what is being a part of the mission of God about? Is that what it is? And, and maybe it is. For some people, it is. But, but I'm guessing you've maybe had some of those same questions. And here's what one of the most beautiful things about Jesus is. He doesn't just invite us into the mission of God. He, he gives us an example to follow that will work in your neighborhood, in your school, or if he calls you to the jungle. In fact, towards the beginning of his public ministry, Jesus has just healed this, this le- guy that has a leprosy, which back in this day, like leprosy was like the disease you didn't want to have. It was like, if you remember back when AIDS came on the scene and that was like the big thing, well, this leprosy was that. It was like the thing, if you had leprosy, stay away. We don't really understand leprosy. And so it was a bad disease. And, and so Jesus, he's just healed this guy that has leprosy. And, and Luke tells us this in, in chapter five, verse 15, it says this, But the news about him spread even more, and large crowds would come together to hear him and be healed of their sicknesses. I mean, Jesus' teaching was fresh, powerful. He's healing people. The crowds are getting bigger every single day. I mean, think about it. If there was somebody in our town that was teaching in a fresh, powerful way, something you'd never heard about, and oh, by the way, if you come there and bring anybody that's sick, they heal you. Like really heal you, not like fake heal you. Like for real, you have leprosy, you no longer have leprosy. Like the crowds start to swell. People are starting to follow Jesus. And here's what it says in verse 16. Yet he often withdrew to deserted places and prayed. In the middle of the popularity, in the middle of the crowds getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Here's what Jesus would do. Hey, Peter, Peter, hey, hey. Jesus, there's 500 more people out there than were yesterday. All right, guys, I'll be back in a few hours. Heads off to pray. Or get up in the morning. Where'd Jesus go? Man, we got so many people. The line is getting longer and longer. Where's Jesus? Man, I think he's up on the hill. He's been up there for a couple of hours. I think he's praying. He's just talking to his dad. He would do that all the time. It was his rhythm. And on one of those days, while he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and also from Jerusalem, and the Lord's power to heal was in him. And so Jesus, he's kind of back from praying, and now he's teaching, and literally people from every single town, city, 
religious leaders. It'd be like if religious leaders from every town from here to Fresno came to this city to hear somebody. And they didn't come to hear Jesus because they're like, oh, I I really want to learn from this guy. They came to kind of watch him like, what's this guy doing? There's something probably not right about this guy. So they were kind of there, kind of skeptical of him. And so he's teaching. And in verse 18, it says this, just then some men came carrying on a stretcher, a man who was paralyzed. They tried to bring him in and set him down before him. Since they could not find a way to bring him in because of the crowd, They went up on the roof and lowered him on a stretcher through the roof tiles into the middle of the crowd before Jesus. So imagine this. Jesus is probably in a very large house. He's probably teaching in this house. And I mean, the crowd, there's tons of people outside, inside. I mean, you can't find a space. And these dudes come and they've got a buddy of theirs. And man, he's paralyzed. He's sick. he, He needs healing. And they can't even even think about getting in the door. There's so many people. And so probably what, what a lot of us would do is like, hey, we'll just come back tomorrow. We'll, we'll just beat the crowd. We'll, we'll, we'll come back tomorrow. We'll get here earlier than anybody. But, but these, these guys, they didn't do this. They're like, man, our friend needs healing. Our friend needs hope. Our friend needs to be with Jesus. They care too much to walk away. We're not going away. We're figuring out a way to get our friend to Jesus. And so I don't know if it was one of them or they all kind of came to the conclusion together. But at some point, somebody said, hey, you know what? I think if we go up on the roof and I've looked at the roof, I think we could maybe tear apart some of the roof and maybe just lower him down right where Jesus is. And so that's exactly what these guys do. They, they go up on the roof with their buddy like, hey, hold on, buddy. We're trying not to drop you as we're going up on the roof. And they pull away the roof and kind of open up so there's a spot where they can lower their friend down and they lower their friend. I mean, think about it. If if all of a sudden in the middle of our time here, all of a sudden this dude on a stretcher just starts getting lowered from the the ceiling. I mean, that's what's happening. It's packed. People, somebody's teaching. All of a sudden this guy, because his friends just could not walk away. They had to get him to Jesus. They lower him down. What's Jesus going to say? Like, like what's he going to do with this guy? It's an, it's an obvious, like, something's happening. we got to do something about this. And instead of immediately healing the man physically, Jesus addressed a greater problem. So this guy, he gets all the way down, and it says this. Seeing their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. See, see greater than the physical problems that this guy had, He was facing a spiritual reality where his sin was separating him from a relationship with God. And as a result of his faith, Jesus says, hey, hey, buddy, before we get on with the rest of this, I want you to know your sins are forgiven. Your relationship with God has been healed. Luke goes on and he says this, he says, Then the scribes and the Pharisees began to think to themselves, Who is this man who speaks blasphemes, who can forgive sins but God alone? Basically, they're like, dude, who does this punk think he is? Like, only God can forgive sins. What has this Jesus guy been smoking? What's he saying? He's telling this guy that his sins are forgiven. Who is this guy? And Jesus, he doesn't argue with them. He doesn't correct them. He agrees with them that, hey, yes, only God can forgive sins. 
And so Jesus goes on and it says this, but perceiving their thoughts, Jesus replied to them, why are you thinking this in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? Hey guys, what's easier for me to do? Take care of his sin on the inside, or heal him on the outside? What do you think? And they're probably, Jesus was super good at asking questions that made people like, I'm not really sure what to say right now. And so he asks this question, and then then what he does Next, it says this, but so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority to forgive sins. Basically, to show you a tangible, in a tangible way that I am God. Not only am I going to heal this guy on the inside, but watch this. He told the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take up your stretcher, and go home. Immediately, he got up before them, picked up what he had been lying on, and went home glorifying God. And Jesus is like... Dropped it. You're right. Yeah, only God can forgive sins. You're right. Exactly right. And to show you that I am God, not only am I going to forgive this guy's sins, because that's something on the inside you can't really see, but I'm going to do something very tangibly to show you that I am God and that I care about this man, both what's going on in the inside, but also what's going on in the outside. And he says, so, hey, buddy, get up and walk away. And this guy gets up and heads out. Then everyone was astounded, and they were giving glory to God, and they were filled with awe and said, we have seen incredible things today. Like, we have never seen something like this. If you look into that story, and you were to look back into that story of just this this short passage of Jesus dealing with these religious leaders, he's dealing with this guy that's been paralyzed who is not a follower of him at first but becomes a follower of him here's what you would see as you examine Jesus example there's three words and three really things that he does that allow him to reach this man the first thing he does is is pray Jesus prayed for people if you you can read some of Jesus's prayers You can read Jesus' prayer for you. When Jesus got away with his father, he prayed. And there were times he prayed for people. He prayed specifically. See, Jesus spent regular time talking to God. But then the next thing he did was he cared. Jesus not only prayed... But he, when he saw a need, he took the opportunity to meet the physical need of the people. But then what he did is he shared. He shared. He, he told people the good news. He invited them to follow Jesus. So, so simple. And we see it. If you, you can look all throughout the New Testament at how Jesus ministered to people, how he called his followers to be a part of the mission of God. And, and this is what you would see. You would see a pattern of, of people praying. And then at the people that they were praying for, you would see them meeting the physical needs of those people and then taking the opportunities that were given to share with them the truth. These three words make up a simple tool that I want to introduce to you called the cause circle. I'm going to show you a quick video and then we'll jump back in.
Jesus said, Just as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. He is sending us to share the good news of the gospel to a lost and broken world. This is the cause Jesus has called us to. But one of our challenges is that even though we might have good intentions about sharing this good news with our friends, we oftentimes don't even know how to start. So here's a simple idea to help you be more purposeful about sharing Jesus. It's called the Cause Circle, and it's built around three simple priorities that Jesus lived out in his earthly ministry. These same priorities will help you effectively share your faith. Prayer, care, and share. Let's start with prayer. During his ministry, Jesus often headed off to be alone so he could pray. He knew that before he could talk to people about God, he needed to talk to God about people. And the same is true for us. When we start by praying for those we are seeking to reach, it prepares their hearts to hear the good news of Jesus. But Jesus didn't stop with prayer. He also cared for people's needs. The Gospels are full of examples of Jesus healing the sick, feeding the hungry, and helping the hurting. He wasn't just concerned about their spiritual needs. He cared about their physical, emotional, and relational needs too. He cared for the whole person, not just their souls. In the same way, we must seek to love our unreached friends by listening to them and caring for them. They are not projects, but people. We, like Jesus, must lovingly care for those we seek to reach. And finally, after prayer and care, we must share the gospel message out loud with words. We must lovingly, clearly, and confidently share Jesus' message of grace. And when we invite them to put their faith in Christ, we are inviting them to accept the best gift on the planet, a restored relationship with God. If they say no or not now, we continue with prayer, care, and share. If they say yes to Jesus, we celebrate. And then we help them plug into a good church, grow deeper in their faith, and begin their cause circle of prayer, care, and share with their friends. The Cause Circle gives you a simple way to reach those you know in a thoughtful, caring, and intentional way. Start using this model to help you reach your friends. You'll be surprised at how it will help you follow Jesus' example of prayer, care, and share as you share your faith. The reason this is so important is because if we were to take time to to go around the room, we would hear stories of, of people that prayed for us, that took opportunities to care for us, and then took opportunities to tell us about Jesus and invite us to follow him. Some of us, that happened when we were little kids. Some of us, that happened a few weeks ago. For some of us, it was when we were, man, we were like a grandparent, but, but somebody said, hey, I, I love them enough. I'm going to pray for them. I want them to have the hope of Jesus enough. I'm going to pray for them specifically, and then I'm going to ask God to give me opportunities to just, with no agenda, just care for their needs, to love them, meet their physical needs, and then I'm going to ask God to give me an opportunity to open up a door for me to maybe share my story, for me to share with them a little bit about how they can start a relationship with Jesus. And what's so great about this is that this started with Jesus 2,000 years ago. And people have been praying, caring, and sharing. And it's why we're here today. If you're here and you're a follower of Christ, I want to invite you to not be a spectator. 
I want to invite you to, to participate, to be involved in God's mission on earth by praying for people, by caring for people, and then by taking the opportunity to share with people the, the good news of Jesus. And here's what I know and, and, and I have personally experienced, and I already said this, joining the mission of God is the path to purpose and fulfillment. When you join the mission of God, when you say yes to, hey, God, I want to be a part of, of taking your good news to other people, when we do that, we gain fulfillment, we gain purpose. When we're doing what God's called us to do with our life, our, our life is anything but boring. And over the next three weeks, we're going to talk more about this cause circle. And I, I want to encourage you to be here each week because we're going to talk about what it looks like to pray for people. What does it look like to care for people? And then, hey, what does it look like to actually, in a conversation, tell somebody the good news? We're going to talk about those things. And, and as you think about your own life, and, and Luke, you can bring me that chair. I got a beautiful brown chair here if anybody wants it. High dollar. But I, I wanted to have this chair here for a reason. Not so I could sit down. I'm not having my knee replaced anytime soon. Uh, at least I don't think so. But, but here's why. I want this chair to represent somebody. And, and here's what I mean. This chair can represent somebody in your life that you have a heart for. This could be your brother. This could be your coworker. This could be somebody you go to school with. This could be somebody that plays next to you on the field. But for you, you want so badly for them to have the hope of Jesus. You want so badly for them to have a relationship with God so that when this life is over, they spend an eternity with God instead of being separated with him, from him for all of eternity. I want you to, this chair to represent who's that person for you. And, and usually what, what happens is when we start to feel burdened for somebody, we very quickly try to move on to something else. But I want, I want to encourage you to sit on that feeling. Sit on the feeling that somebody that I love, if they were to die while I'm here at church, they don't know Jesus and would be separated from him for all eternity. And I hope we never get over that feeling, that burden. And if you have, I, I, if you're a follower of Jesus and if you've gotten over that, if that doesn't bother you anymore, then I, I would encourage you to ask God to help it to bother you. Because when we started City Walk Church, we didn't start City Walk Church to be a country club. We started it to be a lighthouse. And we want to make sure that it's really, really hard for anybody in Yuba Sutter to live a life without hope and spend eternity in hell. We want to make it super hard for that to happen. And we do that not by maybe reaching a thousand people, but we do that by reaching my brother my cousin, my friend, my co-worker, my just taking time to pray, to care, and to share. So who does this represent? Who does this represent for you? And over the next three weeks, we're going to talk about how God could use you in his mission 
to make a difference in this person's life. Maybe you're here and you're, you're not a follower of Jesus. Maybe you're watching online and you would say, Chris, I'm, I'm not a follower of Jesus. And if you're not a follower of Jesus and you're watching us online or you're here with us this morning, then here's what you need to know about this gathering. This gathering is a gathering full of very imperfect people who have just said yes to a relationship with God. If you're not a follower of Jesus, if, if we could sit down with you and tell you some of our stories, you would be so unimpressed and you'd be like, oh, wow. Wow, you're, you're actually way worse than me. I mean, because we're a bunch of imperfect people that have just said yes to a relationship with God. And, and if you're here and you'd say, hey, Chris, I'm not a follower of Jesus, but man, I'd be interested in knowing how. How can I become a follower of Jesus? It's real simple. Would you be willing to admit to God that you're a sinner? Would you be willing to say, God, hey, I admit that I have jacked up some things in my life. I've disobeyed you. God, I, I believe that when you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross and raise from the dead, I, I believe he did that for me. And Jesus, today, I want to come to you. I want to start a relationship with you. I want you to transform my life. You can do that. You can do that if you're watching online. You can do that if you're here this morning. You can do that, and you can join in the mission of God. Let's pray. Dear God, I I thank you for this opportunity to just look at a, a pattern that you gave us. You gave us a pattern to follow on how to be a part of the mission of God. And Lord, I pray that as we thought of different people that we have a burden for, Lord, I pray that we would not get over that burden, that we would not take that burden lightly, but that we would lean in to that burden. And Lord, that we would begin the process, if we're not already, of praying for that person, caring for them. And then sharing the good news. In Jesus' name, amen.